Welcome back to the Interlude Podcast. You are listening to episode 86, A Conversation with Emily Peretti. She was initially diagnosed with Hodgkin lymphoma at the age of 18 back in 2010 and underwent chemotherapy at that time, which put her in complete remission. Seven years later, she was living in Hawaii when she experienced a relapse of lymphoma. As she started undergoing treatment, she started incorporating some Eastern medicine practices, exercise, and nutrition to help her body heal. This included things such as yoga, cupping, myofascial release, Chinese herbs, and so much more. She then became a certified yoga instructor. She now teaches vinyasa yoga, aerial yoga, prenatal yoga. She also hosts a number of workshops of transformative retreats that teach about energy medicine and how they help with healing, managing stress and anxiety. On today's episode, Emily shares her story with me and what her journey has looked like over the past decade. Emily's also pregnant now, and she shares her experiences being pregnant after cancer and what that has looked like. This conversation is important for so many reasons. One of the main reasons is that we very often do not talk about Eastern medicine, in part because many healthcare providers don't have the training or the knowledge about alternative medicine. But I do believe that there is a clear need and a clear role for integration of both Western and Eastern medicine because they bring they each can bring a lot to the table. I think this conversation is a great place to start. Uh, and for me personally to learn about what is out there um, and, and how it can help when it comes to cancer treatment and life after cancer, which we know and talk a lot about as sometimes being even harder than the actual treatment itself. I think you will learn a lot from this episode as well. And with that, it is my honor to welcome Emily Peretti to the Interlude Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Eleanor Toplinski, and I am a board-certified medical oncologist specializing in the treatment of breast and gynecologic cancers. I started the Interlude Podcast as a way to share the journeys and experiences of women who are going through cancer. On this podcast, we talk about anything and everything related to the cancer journey, the treatment, and life after cancer. As a reminder, the information discussed on this podcast is not meant to serve as medical advice. Any specific medical questions should be directed to your healthcare team. Thank you so much, Emily, for joining me. Thank you, Eleanor, for having me tonight. I'm so excited. Can you start by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself, about your story, where you've been, where you are now? Sure. Um, so I don't totally identify myself as a cancer thriver anymore, but I am a cancer thriver. Um, so that is a, definitely a big part of my background and why you're interviewing me. Um, so I was initially diagnosed when I was 18 years old. I was a senior in high school preparing to go off to college. Um, and out of nowhere, I you know, felt some lumps in my neck and didn't really think much of it. I thought maybe it was like a cold or a virus or something. So, um, long story short, my mom took me to my pediatrician at the time. Cause I was, I was still a kid, 18. And, um, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma stage two a, um, and at that time, I, I really didn't know a lot about like the cancer community. <laughs> so I didn't really have a lot of like support. This was, um, 11 years ago. So in 2010, so I just did it. I went through it. I got a few rounds of chemotherapy. I was actually in a clinical trial. Um, and it was a very like minimal treatment clinical trial to see, you know, I, I was generally a healthy person. So my, uh, oncologist wanted to, you know, see if we can get it out, if I can, achieve remission with just a few rounds of chemo. And I did, I did not get the full like ABVD, what 
Hodgkin's lymphoma patients normally get. I only got, I think it was AVD. So the bleomycin wasn't a part of it, um, at that time. And then, um, I lost my hair. I, you know, I experienced the side effects, but after that I was in remission and I kind of just put that in the past, um, seven years later, I was actually living in Hawaii with my, um, high school sweetheart, who is now my husband. And, um, I was experiencing very similar symptoms of when I was 18 and even more so of like uh, shortness of breath. Something in my chest was, you know, stopping me from taking a full breath in and exhaling. Um, and I knew something was, you know, not right. I was very in tune with my body growing up. I was a dancer. I I'm a yogi. So, um, I was, you know, listening to my body and I went to the doctor and I said, I, I don't think, I don't think that something is right inside me right now. And this is my history. You know, I was 5,000 miles away from my hometown. So, um, it was, you know, it was a crazy time, but I basically called my oncologist from New Jersey and he said, demand a PET scan, you know, you get a PET scan. It'll show you if it's cancer, if it's not that's when it told us it was, it was definitely cancer. So I lit up in my neck and my chest. Um, and this time around it was bulky. So it was like a 10 centimeter mass in my chest, um, which was the cause of, you know, Mm -hmm. I couldn't breathe. (laughs) Um, and that was, you know, kind of like scary in a way, because I was, you know, running a lot and very active and it was, something was pressing up against my heart and my lungs and my chest. So, Um, I decided to stay out there for my, uh, second, I call it my relapse treatments, but yeah, my second time experiencing Hodgkin's, I did it in Hawaii. Didn't want to be, you know, kicked off of my health insurance and a lot of other things, but I was like, yeah, I could do it out here. This is a nice place to, you know, heal and, uh, not have to be in the cold weather in New Jersey. I went through the whole, uh, 12 cycles or was it six rounds of chemo of ABVD and, uh, 14 cycles of radiation to my neck and chest, you know, just to, uh, make sure the cancer was gone. (laughs) Um, and you know, that did the trick. So that was in 2017, four years ago. So I'm doing really well. I'm focusing, you know, a hundred percent on my health and, right now I'm pregnant. So that's a very exciting thing. Um, but the past, you know, few years have definitely been all about me getting my body and my immune system back to where it needs to be so that I can fight off anything that comes my way, especially COVID. Thank you for sharing that. I have a lot of questions. So backing up to you were diagnosed right before college, did you have to take time off from school? for your treatment? Technically, no. I just, you know, missed school those few days that I was receiving treatment and I was inpatient at the time. So it was like three days in the hospital and then I came home and it was like the weekend. So I got to rest over the weekend and, um, my personality, like I wanted to be in school. I wanted to be around my friends. Um, you know, if I was feeling good enough, I was still dancing. I had to miss my first dance competition that year. So it was like my first dance competition of my last year dancing. And that was really, you know, upsetting for me, but I, I definitely wouldn't have been able to dance if I tried because I just gotten out of my biopsy and I danced at all of the other competitions that year. And I attended my senior prom. Um, I wore a wig and me and my uh, husband slash at the time, my high school sweetheart, we were prom king and queen. So I lived a very normal life for being a cancer patient. And I really, you know, didn't look much into it because Facebook was fairly new at the time. Instagram wasn't a thing. I wasn't Googling that much, which, which was actually really good (laughs) because I didn't get into my head, like all the bad, scary things that could happen. I just focused on, okay, let me get through this so that I can be a normal 18 year old and go to college. And I think that's important that you mentioned, you know, social media wasn't really around and 
for good or bad. I mean, I think social media has a lot of benefits in terms of communities that's available, but it probably made it a little bit easier, like you said, to live your normal life without being sucked into all things, you know, Hodgkins and no, I definitely think about social media now and how much it's helped me so much. But then again, thinking back then, I didn't have all that noise, all that, you know, negativity and, you know, things that could affect my mental health during the time that I just needed to focus on myself. But during my relapse treatments in 2017, I really got to connect with a lot of people, a lot of, um, you know, males and females going through the same type of cancer, um, young adults of all different types of cancers. And, um, which actually leads me to now I'm co-hosting some retreats with one of my fellow cancer thriver friends. So it's really about like giving back right now to everyone who's helped me and all the resources that have been on online and all the camps that I went to. Um, I went to cancer camp actually in, uh, Montana a couple of (laughs) times. So yeah, I, I definitely think social media is great if you use it in the right way. Um, it's hard. I mean, I think the key is knowing when, what to take from social media and what to let go. Right. So all the community and all these retreats, and that's all incredible and just kind of ignoring some of the noise, but I know that that's easier said than done. Right. A lot of the loudest voices tend to be the ones that you do want to maybe sometimes, you know, put aside what prompted. So you, you went to college and then what happened? How did you get to Hawaii? <laughs> so I went to a different school than my husband. I went to Rutgers University. Um, I actually work there now. And he went to Marist in Poughkeepsie, New York. Uh, so we were two hours apart from each other and we made it work. He, he was going to be a teacher. So he studied education and math. So he, he was a math teacher and he applied to go teach in Hawaii he got the job and he asked if I wanted to go with him. And I said, of course. Um, so we lived on Oahu, um, for four years from 2014 to 2018. And it was absolutely amazing. A lot of our family and friends came out to visit us. We lived in a little apartment, like right down the street from a beach on the West side of the Island. Yeah, it was amazing. We got engaged out there. So a lot of life events happened out there. Um, and I just couldn't imagine like where we would be if we didn't live there, but we're so very happy to be back home now because, you know, stuff happens and you want to be close to family. Definitely. Of course. I mean, it must've just been this kind of life changing experience to be out there is medical care, you know, having had treatment here and now in Hawaii, is there a difference in the care that you got? And I'm just curious. Yes. For me, there is like, um, I guess a big difference in pediatrics versus adult oncology. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to see that difference, you know, in, um, in Hawaii, I was just going into outpatient and then they would send me home where pediatrics, you know, they're keeping you overnight and you get the, you know, all the, all the good stuff, but, uh, definitely a difference there, but versus, um, Hawaii versus New Jersey or, you know, West coast versus versus the East coast. Um, yeah, I think the area that we lived in, especially Hawaii, they're, they're much slower paced. They're much more laid back. And so things took a little longer. Um, in my case, it wasn't that big of a deal because my cancer was slow growing, but I think if I had, um, you know, something more aggressive, I think it would have frightened me a little bit more. Um, my, actually my surgeon, <laughs> he was from New Jersey from like a town 20 minutes away from where I live. So it was, it was kind of cool to have someone, you know, from the mainland yeah. that did, you know, he moved out there, but I loved the care that I got out there. I really, um, truly loved my oncologist, my radiation oncologist and my, all my nurses were great. The biggest difference is like the Island is small, but there's a ton of people So there's a lot of traffic. So getting to and from where I was receiving treatment, it, it was a long drive. We're here. It's like, everything's 
kind of closer. Yeah, I mean, you know? here there's like a cancer center, you know, unless you're in like rural parts of rural, you know, rural areas, but in general, in New Jersey, at least there's a cancer center, you know, five, 10 minutes from where like everything's super close. Yeah. 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 And then if you have to get a PET scan, there's only one PET scan machine in the entire state of Hawaii. Oh my God. Yeah. So if, say if you live on like Maui or uh, big Island, you have to fly over to Oahu and get your pet scan. Yeah. So a lot of the other islands, like the very small islands, they don't have all, all these big hospitals. So I was fortunate enough to live on Oahu, which had, you know, Honolulu and a few really good hospitals. And you mentioned, so, you know, kind of looking past the treatment that you had in 2017, 2018, coming back to New Jersey, um, you, know, you talked a lot about, you know, getting kind of rediscovering your body, right. Or like figuring out how to know your body. So we, we talk about that a lot with patients, but I feel like people don't really know what that means or how to do that. Right. And so you're very, you're big in yoga, you're hosting these retreats. Can you give some tips or advice for people about how to really, or what worked for you to get into, get back to that? Um, like I mentioned, I was a dancer growing up. Um, I was very active, um, just, you know, always gym- in gymnastics, dance, cheerleading. So a part of me, even before I relapsed, I just wanted to keep up with my like flexibility and my, um, activity, my fitness. So I, I found yoga and yoga for me, it, it started as a hobby, but turned more into like a, a passion. And during my recurrence, it really helps me heal. Um, so I turned to my yoga mat during, you know, very tough times that I was going through mentally, physically. And I feel like the physical practice meditation, the breath work really helped my body just heal from the inside out basically. Um, so I, did that throughout my treatments as much as I could yoga. And then I took frequent walks in Hawaii. It was just like beautiful weather every day. How could you not get outside and do something good for your lungs? Right. Um, and then after that, I was like, you know what, like, this is such an important thing to me now that I'm done with treatments and I'm in remission, I want to get certified. So in 2018 is when I got certified. I got my 200 hour yoga teacher training. Um, I started teaching classes at my local studio, and then I partnered with a uh, physical therapist who also focuses on energy medicine and a lot, a lot of natural stuff. Um, we started doing retreats together, um, and the first retreat was actually in Greece in oh 2019. Yeah, I was like, I'm a new yoga teacher. I, I I, I knew what I was doing, but like, I was like, you really want me? Like, I've only been teaching for less than a year. She's like, yes, I love your story. I love your passion. And actually it ended up being mostly cancer thrivers that came to oh, the retreat. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And so what do you do? I mean, Greece is beautiful, right? But what exactly is happening on the retreats? So that retreat, it was a multi-day retreat, obviously, um, I think it was seven days every day we had a yoga class in the morning. And then, um, the woman that I partnered with, she did her myofascial release. So it was hands on, um, like partner work to open up the fascia in the body. Um, so that, that does a lot. It not only like, um, helps with scar tissue and, you know, physical pain, but it also helps with your overall immune system and, um, putting your, you know, yourself into a parasympathetic, um, state, which is your rest and digest instead of your sympathetic, which is your fight or flight mode. So she really focuses on that aspect of her physical therapy, therapy work. Um, she's been doing it for over like 37 years and we combine the yoga and her background and put it together. So it's really neat. It's, like everyone after that came back from the retreat and got blood work done and everyone's blood work just like popped all the way up to the normal range. So it's like, oh my gosh, this really works. You know, all this yoga and meditation and, um, just healing from the inside out really, really works. So, um, that's when I started working with her and we've been doing retreats together 
for the past few years. And since the pandemic, we've been like hosting them in the tri-state area, just one day retreats to keep things safe um, and to still, you know, invite people to come because there are a lot of people that really need and want it. And also, I mean, it just, that sounds beautiful. And also the power of the community, right. That you're bringing together and people are, are getting to know each other and sharing their stories. And I think that that is on top of everything that you're doing just adds to the powerfulness of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is about community and, you know, meeting other people who have a similar story, but everyone's story is unique and different. So it's really, um, it's really about the community as well. Yeah. And are you teaching, so you said you work at Rutgers, what do you do for Rutgers and are you teaching yoga somewhere right now? Yeah. So for a person having a full-time job, I do teach a lot. (laughs) Um, but I've, I mean, the pandemic really, uh, blessed me in a way where I work from home. Now my department, my specific department were, uh, we could do full, fully do our jobs working remote. Um, my job is actually, uh, very interesting and near to dear, near and dear to my heart. I work in the development office for Rutgers University Foundation. And the team that I'm on is actually the Cancer Institute of New Jersey's development team. Yeah. So I help with the fundraising, the gifts that come in, if any doctors are doing, you know, research on a specific area of cancer. So for example, like breast cancer research, Mm -hmm my department handles that. Um, and we're remote, but, um, I have been going into the office here and there just to, you know, if I have to, (laughs) but, um, on the side, um, I say on the side, but really yoga is my, uh, my passion. And, you know, if you look at my social media, it looks like I do yoga full time too. Um, so I'm teaching at two different studios. One is, um, honor yoga North Brunswick. So if anyone's listening to this in my area. <laughs> and then the other one is Vita Studios. It's in Morganville, New Jersey. So they're they're both about like 15, 20 minutes from my house. I teach a vinyasa flow class. I teach aerial yoga. And I just got certified in prenatal yoga. Like literally right after I found out. That's I was great. Pregnant. I That's signed great. up for that. And it was that was a virtual training and it had a lot to do with childbirth education as well as, you know, what poses are good for the body during pregnancy. I thought, you know, oh, just learning how to teach, you know, pregnant women yoga. That's, you know, it's just about yoga, but it was a lot of childbirth education as well. Um, And a lot of the books that we actually read were books for like doulas. And um, so it was really interesting. Yeah. It's preparing you, right? Like for poses that you might use in delivery and labor and, and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Feel like you feel like ready to deliver. I mean, not yet. (laughs) We have time, but in in a way I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy. I, I got certified in prenatal and I did that training because I do feel ready and I would love a, natural unmedicated birth if possible. Um, but then a part of me is like, Oh my gosh, how am I gonna, how am I gonna push a eight pound baby out of me? So I know it's possible. It's possible. Yeah. <laughs> In the moment, sometimes you're like, Nope, no, it's not going to happen, but yet it does always. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about, you, you know, pregnancy, a couple of years after cancer, what that experience was like for you making the decision to try to get pregnant. You know, a lot of people struggle with when is the right time after cancer. So talk, let's talk about that a little bit. Yes. So 2018 was a big year. So we moved back from Hawaii in June. We got married in July. Um, and we both started new jobs right after that. Then we bought a new house at the end of the year. <laughs> um, and we, you know, said to one another, like, let's wait a couple of years. Let's, you know, let's just have fun. Um, we, we were together, you know, for ever since high school. So it was like 13 years. But um, I think for us, it was like, okay, we knew when it was time to start trying. And I have eggs frozen from 
prior to treatment. And um, those were eggs that you froze back in 2017 or back from when you were 18, you you know, the second time in second. 2017. Yeah. We, I didn't even consider it back when I was 18 years old, but in 2017, I was like, okay, I'm going to get more intensive chemo this time. Like there is a chance for infertility. So let me, let me just freeze my eggs. We'll, we'll see what happens. And I was very determined not to have to do IVF because it was, it's a lot of money. Yeah. And, um, so we tried I think for like not eight or nine months after I uh, took myself off birth control. Um, we experienced one miscarriage and, um, it was real, that was really emotional and upsetting of course. And then I started on these Chinese herbs. I actually went to a Chinese herbalist to see if he can help me with my, uh, fertility, which it was like magic two weeks later, <laughs> two weeks really? after. Them, yeah. It happened. Wow. Yeah. Do you know so, what was in them or these are just like these, like here, take, <laughs> take the herbs and I can find out. Um, I can I mean, find out what's in them. I'm still taking them because I'm yeah. like, I'm afraid to not take them now. I'm like, these are such good, uh, herbs, whatever, whatever it's, whatever's in is them. Whatever is it a pill or you drink them? You put them in a tea. It's a tea version. Um, okay. and they're in these little pouches. They're like three ounce pouches and you just chug them back basically. Um, but my friend recommended me to go to him and she's been seeing him for a while. She has stage four, uh, metastatic breast cancer. And she said he saved my life. So, um, you should go see him, you know, cause he's not only going to help you stay in remission, but he'll also, you know, help you get pregnant naturally. So I was like, all right, why not? <laughs> no, I mean, I think there's so much that we don't understand about Eastern medicine and, and there's, there's just a lot there. Right. And the problem is a lot of times the two don't meet, or I don't know, there's this discord and, and we don't know how the drugs interact, but I think there's so much power there that we just is untapped really. Yeah. Yeah. And I wish I knew about it sooner. I wish I did acupuncture sooner. A lot of Eastern medicine practices. I'm like, wow, like this is amazing. I mean, going through treatment, I feel like if I, if I did start this stuff sooner, like who knows, maybe I wouldn't have relapsed, but you know, we can't, we can't think like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can't go back. And also I think as we, you know, as time passes, we learn more. I mean, I try to send a lot of people to acupuncture, whereas I wasn't doing that even just a few years ago. Now I'm like, go, go. And, and no one wants to go because no one likes needles. But I think that it really helps certain people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Acupuncture. I'm also a Reiki to uh, practitioner, so I can do Reiki on people. I don't really focus on that, but I do sometimes do it at the end of my yoga classes. And if anyone asks, um, like, of course, my family, my friends, and if any of my cancer thriver friends want it. I, you know, so I mean, I'm familiar with Reiki, but other people listening may not be. Can you talk a little bit about what that is? Sure. So Reiki is basically universal energy and it's, um, it's just like, (laughs) it's hard to describe without doing it. It's universal energy, basically very healing. Basically, if someone does Reiki on you, they're just putting their hands over you. It's either hands on or hands off and they're working with your chakras. So we all have, um, thousands of chakras in our body and it goes from up here to the crown of our head, to the tip of our, uh, tip of our toes actually is where our root chakra is. And, um, you're basically working through that to find imbalances in the body, energetically imbalances, right? So Reiki is working with that and it's, it's very hard for me to explain, but it works. It's, you know, if you have, you know, if your heart chakra is closed, right. And you need to balance it. Someone can work over your heart. They can place sound bowls over your heart. They can place their hands, their energy, their energetic 
hands over you and they can work to balance it out. But sometimes, you know, sometimes we have open chakras, sometimes they're closed, sometimes they're not balanced enough, and sometimes they are balanced. So Reiki is basically just working with the energy centers in your body. I mean, it's just so cool when you think of it. And I know some of my patients have had it and they said it's been one of the best experiences. You as the Reiki practitioner, how do you, I mean, how do you like figure out, right? If someone's chakra is open or closed, like how do you draw that out? You kind of just magic. Like, is it just, (laughs) and you're like, I can tell. So the other day I was working on my friend who has ovarian cancer Um, and I can literally feel where her tumors are without putting my hands on her. Like if my hands are over her, like I feel energy moving where, where she's stuck, where she's stagnant, where she's holding energy. Um, and you know, that can mean multiple things. Like it can mean she's holding fear inside of her. It can mean she's holding resentment. If you have, you know, stuff going on up here, it can mean that you're very anxious and you're too in your head. So, um, it's a lot about feeling the energy, but also, you know, when the person gets up off the table, when they're done with Reiki, they feel so much better. You feel relaxed, you feel calmer. Um, it's very similar to acupuncture too, because when you get acupuncture, the acupuncturist will put needles in your meridians and the needles will balance out what you need. It's very difficult to explain. This is all Eastern medicine, but (laughs) I'm I'm still learning something for myself every single day. So I'm still like in awe every time someone tells me something new about it. Yeah. And, you know, is there a group or certain patients or people that you think like benefit from Reiki? I mean, I can, you know, obviously everyone could benefit, but in terms of thinking you work a lot with the cancer community, you know, who is a person that would benefit from that? Any type of uh, person who's dealing with like hormonal issues, I think can really benefit a lot of people that have vertigo, you know, vertigo is a really tough thing to be able to like get rid of. Um, but Reiki can Reiki and acupuncture can help with vertigo. Um, and also just like normal stress and anxiety, I think, but any, issue can be, you know, definitely good, uh, you know, candidate for, for Reiki, for acupuncture, for Eastern medicine, for balancing out your, your meridians, your energy, your chakras inside of you. Cause if you do have a blockage, if you do have something that needs to come up or needs to come out, it's like therapy, like it needs to come up and out, right. Um, Mm -hmm. you don't get it out, then it can cause disease. So my ultimate goal for myself and for other people is to, you know, put us into the ultimate, you know, best immune systems so that we can fight off disease. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the world right now, like everyone could get a little acupuncture, a little Reiki would help. Oh my God. Yeah. We all need it. I feel like I'm going to some sort of self-care appointment every week. My mom's like, really? I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, it's much needed right now for everyone. So what do you do for yourself in terms of self-care? I do, I do acupuncture like once a month about, um, you tell them like, you know, I, when you go in for acupuncture, do you tell them what you, you know, cause I, for like, for my breast cancer patients, I'll say like, you know, if they're having, let's say joint pain or neuropathy, I'll tell them like go in or have flashes and, and tell the practitioner that those are the things that you're struggling with. Yes. Yeah, so I, she asked me like, okay, what, what's going on today? Like what, what do you want to work on? Um, usually I have at least you know, one or two things. And if I can't think of anything physical, then, you know, most likely, I, I always need to work on my anxiety and stress levels. So, um, everybody, I know. Yeah. But I, I do deal with, um, neck pain. Um, I have herniated discs in my neck. So acupuncture really, really does help with that. It not only is energetic, but it also helps with physical pain and physical pains during treatment. If you have, you know, any sort of physical side effect, joint pain, acupuncture can definitely help with that. Um, I also love getting massages. I also, um, I actually got a massage the other day and it was a prenatal massage. It was so good. So I do that like not too often, but I wish, I wish I did it more. I know a couple of friends of mine that do cupping. So Mm -hmm. 
if anyone listening to this that has not ever tried cupping, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Basically, you can do it on any part of your body, but I like it on my back. Um, so you're face down, like on a massage table, and the cups go on your back, and they're basically pulling up any like physical um, tension, any you know stagnant energy, whatever, whatever you need that needs to pull up, it's getting it out. And you're going to have the marks on your back when you get up, which, you know, some people yeah, <laughs> like, what the hell is that? But, um, it actually feels so good when you get up, you feel like 10 pounds later. Is it painful so, as it's happening mm, or uncomfortable not for me? Not for me, unless you're like, say if you, if you have, if you pulled a muscle or if you're like, oh my God, my, my upper back is so sore. It could be a little painful, but it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be because it's getting all of that tension up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, that makes sense. I mean, there's so many such good resources out there. And I feel like, you know, as oncologists, we don't get training in this, right? So it creates this, and I've learned about it, you know, partly out of interest, partly because I get to talk to really cool people on the podcast and they tell me their, their knowledge, but I think they create this barrier between sometimes what patients are hearing and want to try, and then they go to their cancer center and people are not familiar with it. Right. So I, I think like there, there's this divide about some of these treatments. Yeah. And even I was looking at your Instagram page, you're really into like plant-based diet and nutrition. Mm -hmm. That was something that I asked my oncologist about, and he didn't really recommend anything for me. He was like, you could just, you could eat whatever. (laughs) But I was like, but I, I really would love to eat like mostly a plant-based diet. So I, I want to know like what, what my body needs in order to, you know, be strong and what, what other ways could I get protein and iron, um, so that I can continue eating plant-based. Um, so there, there's a nutritionist at my cancer center who obviously spoke with me after that, but you're right. Like some oncologists don't get that proper training. There's also, I mean, there's a big evolution in what we know about nutrition. I mean, I have changed a lot in what I counsel patients on. I mean, even a few years ago, I'd be like, don't worry, see whatever, right? Like, don't worry about it. Everything's fine. And now I'm like, oh God, did I ever tell people that? Like, no, 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 like stop eating the processed stuff and avoiding red meat and limiting all those things. And so, um, but that's stuff that's really developed in the last few years. And, you know, from a personal standpoint, I never really used to be big on red meat, but I had a lot of chicken and stuff. And my husband during COVID decided he was going to go vegan. And so I wanted to support him. And I said, all right, well, I'll be, you know, I'm not giving up sushi, but I will be plant-based with you. And it's amazing how much better I felt. Yeah. And I didn't even realize that I wasn't feeling like that. Like I thought I felt fine. Right. And then you yeah. eliminate some of those things and you're like, oh, I feel better. Yeah, that that's exactly what happened with me. Like I've been generally a a very healthy eater my whole life. Like I've, as a kid, I would eat my vegetables. Like I would crave vegetables. Um, and I didn't really, I wasn't a fan of red meat either. Um, but I became uh, fully plant-based. So fully vegan during my, um, 2017 treatments during my relapse treatments. And I felt so good. Like, I think a part of me and the cancer, you know, leaving my body so quickly after like two or three rounds of treatment was because of all of the other things that I was doing, you know, eating super clean, eating plant-based, um, eliminating, you know, meat and dairy, um, which right now I'm not fully vegan, but I am still majority plant-based, but I don't, I don't like to label it. (laughs) No, I think labeling it, you know, kind of then puts you in this box that you can get out of. And I think, especially in pregnancy, it's very hard to be a hundred percent anything. Yeah. Yeah. My, um, the Chinese medicine doctor that I went to actually recommended me to eat a tiny bit of steak, like once a week or once every other week, just for the increased iron, because, yeah. um, when you get pregnant, you know, you're, um, you have 40 to 60% more blood and you need more iron. Um, so I'm, 
<laughs> I was very proud of myself. I actually listened and I'm not a fan of meat to begin with, but I just forced it down. I'm like, okay, this baby needs to stay. Like I need a healthy baby. I need a healthy uterus. Um, you know, it, it's a boy and I'm like, he needs to be strong. He needs to stay strong. I think so. that it speaks to the importance of that. What is right for us at different points of our life may change. Yeah. And so what you do two years ago isn't, does not mean that you're going to do this forever. Right. And as our life changes, we get to adapt and evolve in what we do and how we proceed. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely feel better after eating a little bit of red meat, but I still say I'm majority plant-based, but I think that's the really cool thing about being plant-based saying you're plant-based is that that doesn't limit you. You can still eat, you know, it's what are you eating the majority of the time, which I'm a big believer in. Cause I think when we restrict completely, then that can be hard. Right. Whereas, and for some people, some people like my husband, he's like a hundred percent, he's like an all or nothing guy. Whereas I'm much more like, well, I'm going to, you know, have this thing with cheese on it or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it's about what your body needs in the moment. I'm very much in tune with my body. What do I need? Like if, if I'm craving a cookie, you know, I'm going to have a cookie, like it's not the end of the world. So everything in moderation, you know, exactly. So before we wrap up, I do have one more question. You mentioned that, you know, you don't really consider yourself a cancer thriver anymore. And, you know, again, that's labels, right. And definitions and words, but how did that, like, when did that happen? And what was the evolution in that? Yes. So I still am a cancer thriver. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but I, I have, yeah, I have a lot of titles. So that's like, not my only title now. I feel like I'm Emily Pretty. I'm okay. I'm a two-time cancer survivor. I'm a yoga instructor. I'm a soon-to-be mom. I'm a dog mom. I, you know, I do aerial yoga. I, I do prenatal yoga now. So I'm, I'm a lot. <laughs> like I do a lot. So I don't want to put myself into this one category. But as you can see, you know, on my website, I have like many different, mm-hmm. um, yeah. What's it called? Page, I guess pages because I do offer a lot and there's so many chapters of my life that made me who I am today. And cancer is one of them. Um, I'm so grateful for everything that's happened to me. And even though it was a really like shitty part of my life, I think it brought me to who I am today and this, you know, strong, resilient person wanting to help other people. And I look at my friends who haven't gone through something like this. And I'm like, like, I feel so much, I don't know. I feel uh, like I went through something that could have killed me basically. So I look at life in a different way than them where Mm -hmm. they're just like going out and partying and getting drunk. And I'm like, okay, I'd rather stay in and just like lay down, watch a movie and, you know, meditate, (laughs) do my yoga. (laughs) Yeah. So Um, I definitely still consider myself, like I am a two-time cancer survivor and I'm so proud of that, but I don't want that to be my life anymore. My focus, like I'm, you know, I'm healed. I think I am healed and I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry about, you know, my next doctor appointment. What is my blood work going to be? What is my next scan going to be? And I'm just living in the present moment and taking it day by day. And my next chapter is becoming a mom. So I'm very excited about that. And I don't want cancer to interfere with my life anymore. I I love that. You know, so many people struggle with that fear of the next scan of the next doctor's visit, any advice on how to get to that next healing step, right. Or to start thinking of it. Yes, this was, this will always be a part of my life, but it's not defining me in the moment? Yeah, that's a really, really tough question because I was living in fear for a couple years after. And I think I just got myself out of that um, maybe like a year ago, maybe a year, year and a half ago. Um, But a lot of what I do, like, I think my yoga practice has brought me more into the present moment, appreciating life as it is, you know, saying, having a gratitude journal saying what I'm thankful for every day, um, what I have in my life, not what, what do I want in my life? Right. 
Um, so just bring, being grateful for everything that you have and not stressing over the little things I think is very important and not living in fear. I know it's <laughs> easier said than done, but if we constantly live in fear, that's only going to do bad to our bodies and it's only going to, you know, affect our stress levels. And when we're stressed, when we're in the fight or flight mode, then, you know, disease is more likely. I mean, we, we really want to live in this rest and digest state and focus on self-love, self-healing, like all those things I mentioned before that I do. Those are a few, only a few of the things that I do on a daily basis, but everyone needs to create their own, um, routine of, you know, how, how can I live a life where I'm not constantly worrying about what's next or when is my cancer going to come back? Tough question, but <laughs> no, but I think that's a great, a great yeah. answer. And it's so individual for people as you transition into becoming a mom. And obviously you don't know yet, right. Cause you're not there, but do you think, some of the the things that you're doing on a daily basis will change. Yes. (laughs) I have a lot of students asking me like, when, when are you going to come back from maternity leave? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't even gone on maternity leave yet. Like I have three more months of pregnancy. So that's when I have to, you know, snap into and tell, tell them like, I'm, I'm going to take a day one day at a time. Like, we'll see, we'll see like when my body is ready to come back is when I'll come back. Um, but yeah, I'm going to have to definitely change up my schedule. Um, I do want to spend as much time as I can with the baby and bonding in the beginning. Um, and we'll figure it out. I mean, when the time comes, if I, when I feel ready to go back to work or to go back to teaching, um, then we'll take it nice and slow. I don't want to force myself <laughs> and over overdo anything because obviously the baby is going to be my first priority my yoga teachings, they're very local. So we have family in the area who will be willing to babysit, but I think that the baby will be coming first and, um, whatever happens will happen. I mean, <laughs> I could bring the baby to yoga. He'll be a, a he'll little, be like, he'll be a little yogi, you know, from day yeah. one. I mean, he's done, you know, he's done all these practices with you, right. In your belly. Yeah. I mean, Oh my gosh. Yeah. He's been doing yoga this whole time with me. Um, he actually, like, I feel like he moves more when I'm still, or maybe it's only when I notice it, but like when I'm going to bed at night, he'll start kicking and I'm like, oh, great. Now I can't fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> actually hired a doula. So we're, um, we're using a doula. She's amazing. Um, and I know a lot of it already, but I think having someone there for extra physical and emotional support for both of us, both me and my husband, cause he's never gone through it either. And, um, he's going to want to support me, but he also needs support as well. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think, no, I, I think th- it's so important, right? Because the doula, I mean, that your OB is going to be focused on getting the baby out, you know, delivering yeah. the baby safely. Right. But, um, I think a doula can be really helpful in, in just being a calming presence and helping. Yeah. You. She's helping us come up with a birth plan and to go over like all the things that you would never think of, like the, you know, the newborn protocols and like skin to skin. If you want to delay the cord clamping and delaying the bath, I'm like, wow, I wouldn't even think of this. Like, cause they probably just like have their thing and do it, but you can decide what you want to do, what's best for you and the baby. So, um, we're really happy with our decision to doing that. And we're still having a hospital birth, but um, having a doula there. Yeah. I do like those. <laughs> um, no, I think, I think that birth plans are awesome. And, you know, the most important thing is getting that baby out safely and keeping you safe. And then you get to, you hopefully will get to be, do things the way that bring you calm and, and peace. Yeah. Yeah. We're looking forward to it. I can't wait to meet him. I'm not worried. I'm not worried too much about the overall birth because (laughs) actually I went, I just thought of something funny. It's not funny, but I taught my first prenatal class the other day for my final to receive my certification. My one friend that came to the class, she took it virtually 
she was 38 weeks pregnant during the class and she went into labor the next morning. She literally left for the hospital at 1030 and had the baby at 1130. Oh my God. Emily, your, your prenatal yoga class was no joke. But me to labor. Yeah. So I'm hoping mine will be pretty quick like that. She, she said they had no time to even do an epidural or any type of, you know, um, yeah. So what (laughs) you have to do, I guess, is like hardcore prenatal yoga classes every night. Yeah. I'm planning on it. (laughs) Before we wrap up, is there anything that we didn't talk about anything that you want to share and how can people connect with you? I think I pretty much said everything. Um, my website is www.emilyparetti.com. It's my brand new website. So I'm very proud of it. <laughs> it looks beautiful. I was looking around earlier today. It looks gorgeous. Thank you. And then from there, you can, if you want to follow me on social media, you can go on to my Facebook or my Instagram page. Um, for anyone who's in my area in New Jersey, I update all my classes. I do in-person and virtual classes. And then if anyone is interested in a retreat in the future, um, like I said, I'm having the baby in March. So (laughs) probably, uh, sometime in the summer, we'll see midsummer probably, but he's got to come on the re he's got to come to all the retreats. Yeah. Yeah. I'll stick to the one day retreats in the beginning, but the multi-day retreats are very, um, fun and just life-changing as well. So the baby will come to that eventually. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was fun. Thank you all for listening to this conversation. As I mentioned in the introduction, I think it's really important to talk about these topics because it is only by talking about them that we can learn and that we can bring it to a level where patients are not afraid to seek out these treatments. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or a family member. And please take a moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, as that is one of the best ways to help me grow the show and to bring it to new listeners. You can find me at Dr. Duplinski on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Thank you again, and I will see all of you soon. Thank you.